0: Answer that question by asking you two questions. One, is this or is this not? Chasing history. Jake Larson. I needed to find this Shaka Khan song. I couldn't think of the name of it, and so I had to stop in the middle of the sidewalk.
1: And two-time Nebraska walk-on trial participant Colton Stone. <laughs> I'm putting a 12-6 that only has a 12 right at the batter's <laughs> head. Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do, let's play football. Good morning beautiful people, 10am on a Friday, you know what that means, it's chasing history time, chasing history on 90.3 KRNU Lincoln, I'm Colton Stone, alongside as always, Jake Larson, Jake, it's number 25 man, it's an anniversary, it's our 25th annual show of us wondering how we're still on the air, how I've been how wondering are you? that
0: for like 24 episodes,
1: <laughs> well 25 straight now,
0: it's huh? pretty impressive
1: How are you? Speaking of that, our grill advertisement is still up, too. Yeah, Much like us, it is surprisingly still Been there. Been around
0: for more than a week. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm doing okay. You're here? Somehow. <laughs>
1: Depends on who you ask.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, a little conspiracy theory for me. And I have one for you, too, but I want you to start off just so we can... Get the show. You know, it's a spooky time of the year. You just want me to be done
1: with it because you don't believe it. That's what it is.
0: I want to prove you wrong because you are wrong.
1: I am not wrong. Anyways, the Boston Red Sox, there's a conspiracy theory that every time the logo for the World Series has two pennants, one representing the AL, one representing the NL, the Red Sox Mm -hmm. win the World Series – 2004, 2007, 2013, and 2018. Now, I was also trying to find extra information to see if like, I could really back it up. Uh, at least two of the years they beat the Yankees and ended up going to the World Series. One of them they beat the Indians and they beat the Angels. And I don't know what the other <laughs> one was.
0: There's no correlation.
1: <laughs> and two times they beat the St. Louis Cardinals.
0: Oh okay,
1: yeah. So, prove me wrong, Jake.
0: Um, well, yeah. There's 2015 that could arguably be two flags, and this year could uh, arguably be two banners with uh, a color on each different side because it depends on the angle that the flag is. Banners
1: at. don't come to a point, Jake.
0: Yes, but it could be the angle at which the top of the flag is going at. Like, if you see like the curve, that could be that it's actually a flag or a banner. Of a pennant, come on. No, I don't think you're right. I think you're wrong. No, you're just not right. All right. Well, here's a theory that is correct
1: 2015. Hold on.
0: No, we did.
1: We went over this
0: yesterday. Yes, very clearly a banner. No, it's not. It's
1: also the same color. For those
0: of all zero of you listening live, um, if you could look up the World Series logos and tell me. Which one is a banner and which one is a flag between the 2018 and the 2015 World Series logos? Let me know because I believe that there's a chance that both could either be banners or both could be flags. In which, in either case, Colton is wrong. I am right as per. You. I'm
1: just saying that I'm right. That's all.
0: Well, you haven't been right ever. So I think you know, that was a little harsh, but. Well, so I'm right true. about this. So, All right. uh, Here's my theory. Canadian football is played on the same <laughs> size field. It's the NFL, yeah, the layout's different. The proportions, of the end zones and stuff are different. But it's played on the same size field. The players are just smaller.
1: Now, what about the people that are going to say NFL players have played in the CFL and vice versa?
0: They had to switch positions. They had to go from defensive tackle to, like, safety. Like, I mean, <laughs> strong safety, to be fair. But I was, like, looking at these heights. Like, one of the greatest dual-threat quarterbacks in Canadian football history. Quarterback, 5'10", multiple, every about every cornerback I'm looking at has a height of 5'7", or 5'8". Like, I mean, come on.
1: I just think you're wrong. That's all.
0: No. That's it. You know who was wrong? Whoever loaned the Las Vegas Posse and whoever thought that moving the CFL to the United States was a good idea. that they, they were wrong. I mean, like, there's no... That I think we can agree on. All right, thank you. Yes, um, we're actually going to talk about this now because why not? Coming up soon is the Grey Cup playoffs, which the Grey Cup itself annoys Phenomenal. me so much. Oh. It annoys me so much because of how canadian it is like it's the most canadian thing like it is what about it like it's so canadian like it'll be like oh welcome to olympic stadium our halftime show is a reunion of the bare naked ladies because people about uh care about that in canada like i mean they're a good band but like and they're canadian but they're canadian and that's like they're legends up there yeah and it's like all right
1: you know, who did it li- you know who did it last year? Who? Shania Twain. Jeez. She's Canadian.
0: Well, yeah.
1: She's successful. Well, yeah. It was a successful Canadian halftime show.
0: It's just... Like, they just might as well just, like... She's half- also on, like, a The halftime sled. show might as well be hockey night in Canada for, like, however long their halftime is. Like, just saying. Just saying.
1: It's the same amount of halftime, but the people are smaller.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I bet I bet you that the bare naked ladies could play like defensive line in Canadian football cuz they're like they seem to be normal sized people I don't know if you last time you see them but they seem to be normal sized I'm sure they would that would translate well uh to Canadian football
1: Oh uh, I found an article from 2017 about the history of baseball History of truly absurd and possibly true baseball conspiracy theories.
0: Let's get to that later.
1: Okay, I'll save it up.
0: But as I mentioned, the Grey Cup um, race is going on right now, and season is coming to an end. So I think it's time to bring up something just really, really bad, and that is twenty five years ago, almost exactly, the Canadian Football decided to expand to America to extend their market naturally. And it was the worst idea ever. Like it was bad. They had tried a couple times doing a uh, uh, preseason and games in uh Canadian football in the uh, U S before it was like, it was all right. I mean, I think the high I'll have a list actually right here. Now that I mentioned that, the highest attended one of these games was 28,000 at Husky Stadium between the BC Lions and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. 28,000? 28, 28,000. That's that. pretty good. 1961. That's all right.
1: Yeah, that's more than the Chargers get today.
0: Yeah. Unless um, unless a good away team shows up. No, they <laughs> can only, o- they can an only an fit t-
1: 27,000.
0: And they still can't fill it up? And they still can't fill it up. They're going to move back to San Diego. I like, think the NFL is going to make them. But, yes. Oh, here's another thing that I just love sarcastically, or ironically, as the kids say, about Canadian football. There are two teams called the Rough Riders, if you were not aware. Wait, there's two of them? There's the Ottawa Rough Riders. There's a space. And there's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, which is just one word. One word. They play in the same league. Wouldn't someone at some point, like, all right, Ottawa, let's be the Capitals or the – Oh, wait. They already have the senators. Let's be the capitals. Like, okay. Politicians.
1: They're going to be the senators. The Justin
0: Trudeaus. Um, Prime ministers. The socialists. Uh, So, anyway. Wow. So, going back to what we were discussing. The teams that were added in this expansion were the Baltimore Stallions. Memphis it's not Maine.
1: the Ottawa Rough Riders, at least anymore.
0: Oh, it's not anymore. It's all to Red Blacks now, which makes. I it... knew that
1: sounded wrong, but
0: but for a long time there were two Rough Riders. Anyway, sorry. Baltimore Stallions, Memphis Mad Dogs, Birmingham Barracudas, Shre- um, Shreveport is that that's how it's pronounced, right? I think I haven't heard Shreveport. Shreveport, yeah. where uh, Nebraska was killed by Eli Manning. Um, San Antonio Texans, Mm -hmm. Sacramento Gold Miners, and, of course, the very infamous Las Vegas Posse. Now, all these teams fell apart. Baltimore nearly stayed, however. But so part of the problem that we start off with is Canadian football, because Canadian summers aren't extreme. Canadian Mm. football is played during the summer. And goes into our fall. The Las Vegas Posse, as you may have guessed, played in Las Vegas. Would you want to play football in full padding for three hours outdoors in Las Vegas in July?
1: Ask the Raiders.
0: No. (laughs) So... All these teams, okay, so these teams all moved around 1993, and all of them had left by 19 after the 1995 season. So that's not it's not a great start. Also, most of these stadiums that they played in the United States were built for uh, American football, which this this disproves my theory. Now that I look at it, they weren't able to fit the Canadian football field within American football stadium. A lot of them had to shorten their end zones. There's another huge problem right there. Um, yeah, and all of them, like I said, all of them were left within three years. But one of the teams that was just absolutely terrible was the Las Vegas Posse, as I will keep mentioning on and on and on. So first of all, what I want to start off with was they – practiced on a temporary field that was put in a hotel parking lot that was 70 yards long. There this is a professional football team playing at a pretty high level. Canadian professional football team, which I mean in America is decently high level. No, I agree. I mean that's that's the major league of Canadian football we're talking about. <laughs>
1: As if there's a lower league. There are now, there are Canadian like college football, and they have shown that uh, like on TV. I have watched like Canadian college football before. It is interesting, but that
0: sounds horrible. It,
1: it's something, it's football.
0: It's, a, it's like it's it's, it's it's the it's the John Zorn jazz of football.
1: It's when you get that three week break before like bowl season or two week break before bowl season. You're like, I just need football that's not NFL.
0: You're just watching college Canadian football.
1: I at least always, I am. I don't know. About I was either. always
0: under the impression that I thought that at least high maybe it was just high school that in Canadian uh, Canada, Canada they play. Uh, American football rules. They play American football for high school
1: in Canada? Yeah. I believe so. Okay. I think even in college they might. And I think hmm. the reason is well, think about it this way. You know how like high school, college and the NFL all have like some of them have different rule sets. I think that's basically what it is. It's saying like, you know, maybe if these kids in Canada cuz you see a lot of kids from Canada like go from high school or or college and come play in America. Yeah. I think that's the point is that like Let's teach them American football so if they want to move on to the next level, they have that. And then Canadian football is just like you just take it down away and it's the same sport. I mean.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. I, there are a decent number
1: of kids. that. Uh, I mean Nebraska's had a few that have like gone on and been successful um, or have been successful here. You look at like Yoshi Hardrick. He went up. He played in the CFL. Yeah. I don't think he was from Canada, but.
0: He learned how to play. Mm-hmm. I need to look this up, but I, I'll i try to find who it was. But there was a guy who was drafted to Canadian football in uh, the mid-90s. And he said that he was visited by a former prime minister, the ghost of a former prime minister, and he taught him French. I swear my life, this is like... I mean, but if it actually happened, Like that's not... But the, that he had admitted it as to happening is a true story. And I need a... If you want to look that up, I'll keep rambling about how awful the Las Vegas Posse were.
1: Well, I don't know. I found more information about Ottawa because I was actually interested about right. two teams being named the Rough Riders. So for the longest time, people were, like, confused that there were two teams called the Rough Riders, and they said sometimes Saskatchewan would go by the Western – like, they would go by the Western Riders and the Eastern Riders or whatever it may be. Um, but you were talking about the the Shreveport Pirates was actually owned by the same guy that owned the Ottawa Rough Riders, and he split the Rough Riders into an American half and a Canadian half, which people, like, weren't okay with, really, but as ownership, you know, that's, you know, kind of what they had to let him do. So the Canadian half retained as the Rough Riders' name, and then they went on uh to uh, also be the Shreveport Pirates. And I guess... It says here, colors and history under the ownership of the modern Ottawa Senators co founder So there was a little bit of work going on behind the scenes for that. But what ended up happening is obviously the American part of the CFL (laughs) folded. But so did the Rough Riders uh, in 1996. They went on with five years without a team. In 2002, they came back as the Ottawa Renegades, but they only lasted for about four or five years. So then, when they came back, now they're the Ottawa Red Blacks. Like I said, but everyone was pushing to be called the Rough Riders again. Uh, no, and and he they apparently they acquired the intellectual properties of the name, but Saskatchewan enforced the trademark on the name, and so they were required to choose a different name.
0: What an idiot! But to
1: be honest, and apparently they they. Like reuse the Rough Rider, the R that they used for the Rough Riders, they kind of mm-hmm. just stylized it. But to be honest, like, why would you want to be known? As, it was like, oh, we have the Rough Riders, and I guess we have the Rough Riders. Like, I, yeah, I don't know why you would want to go back to it, especially if that team folded.
0: A, this like reminds me of how I'd have to keep Miami and Seattle and baseball separated back when I couldn't read, and I thought the Marlins and the Mariners had the same name. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'll meet you out there, Jake.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> You've only got to do 40 minutes by yourself. Don't worry.
0: All right. I talk to myself for more than 40 minutes at a time, so this should be pretty easy.
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised.
0: I know. Nor nor is anyone. All right. So, back to the Las Vegas Posse. Right. Playing outdoor in Las Vegas. So they had a 70-yard practice field that was used in a hotel parking lot. So practices were ran from 8 to 12.30 a.m. to p.m. Because the heat was too much for players. And um, coaches would go shirtless and barefoot. And they would wear thigh-high shorts because it was so hot out. And so not including that, you had... I'm just I'm just reading this, and it's just like, how did anyone think this was going to work? And not only that, but there's quotes about how it's like, there's no way this will fail.
1: And then it, it totally did.
0: So practice ends at 1230. Where would, and a lot of times, one of, at the end of one of those 1230 practices with, you know, the rest of the day to yourself, you're like, all right, what am I going to do? Oh, I got my paycheck? Let's, let's put it into the casino. And a lot of guys would lose their paycheck the day of through gambling, <laughs> which is so going to happen to the Raiders. Like, you, like... Yeah. I mean... Especially
1: with all the legalization of, like, sports gambling in America. Yeah. It's bound to happen.
0: And it was just... They finished... With a record of, I think it was 5-13, which isn't good
1: at all. Yeah, not great.
0: Yeah, it's not the best thing I've ever heard of. But, um, yeah, and then it's just, this is so dumb. This is just the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Their final, so their kickoff at their own stadium, like their first game ever, the kickoff temperature was 104 degrees Fahrenheit. 104? 104
1: Fahrenheit. I've I've been in a handful of those before, and they're not fun. And I wasn't playing professional football. I was just playing football.
0: You were just playing old-fashioned foosball. Yeah. Um. And then at that game, actually the Rough Riders, or excuse me, the Rough Riders lost to the Las Vegas Posse. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, excuse me. Lost thirty-two to, all uh, right. They p- posse beat. Oh, I do not like Canadian football. Posse beat the Rough Riders thirty-two to twenty-two, but that was all overshadowed by an international incident that happened at the stadium that day. Colton, could you play the audio for us?
1: Yeah, let me make sure my computer's not on mute. You ready? Yes, I am. And we're all going to go. Okay. Our home and native land, <laughs> true patriot love in all thy
0: sons' command.
1: With growth, it sounds like a gospel. Hearts,
0: we I see hope you know what the actual nationality sounds like. Right? The
1: yeah. Not this strong yeah. and free. <laughs> From far and wide, oh Canada, we stand on guard for thee. We couldn't even find a real Canadian From to sing it, could they? From far and it. wide, <laughs> oh Canada, we stand on guard for thee.
0: God keep. Our land, All right, I can't do this anymore. Stop it. Stop it. Okay. Oof. <laughs> that is... All right, so. I don't, that... even, I don't even know what to say about that. All right, so. <laughs> wow. All right, so. At least the posse beat the Rough Riders that day. But what happened was. Chalk one up for America. Singer Dennis C- – uh, Las Vegas singer Dennis Casey Park, which – look at the beginning. I think he goes by a pseudonym.
1: Uh, Greg Bartholomew, I think. Greg Bartholomew, yes.
0: He went under the Bartholomew pseudonym, yeah. um, and he was hired to sing the National Anthem in, uh, of Canada. And those of you who haven't heard the Canadian National Anthem, it doesn't sound like that at all. Like – at all. He sang most of it like Oh Christmas Tree. <laughs> it's just so, so, oh my goodness.
1: If you want to hear what it actually sounds like. All
0: right, like. yeah, give him a little, give him a couple eight bars or something.
1: I'll sing it. It's going to give me the lyrics.
0: Is this performed by Nickelback?
1: I think this might just be instrumental.
0: No, I actually had no.
1: Very different. I've got the lyrics. I'll start belting it out here.
0: <laughs> let's bring it. In, in Rick. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> we'll do an acapella version.
0: I'm just waiting for like people to come by and like listen to us and like or listening to this radio show and they're like are they playing O <laughs> <laughs>
1: <What>? This slaps.
0: <laughs> Uh, coming in at number one this week
1: (laughs) our top five national anthems number one oh canada so yes very different than a christmas carol um as you could tell two seconds into that very very different
0: i i watched the video and i'm like this doesn't sound right but i could have just like Misremembered.
1: Well, the thing is, is you you hear the music a lot of time, almost over it. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, that's probably right. Yeah. And then when you like almost hear the vocals, like singled out, it's like, oh, no, that's wrong. And like, here I can play "Oh Christmas Tree." Can we get a number three? Play, oh pl- Christmas no, Tree. No, I bet if
0: we play "Oh Christmas Tree" <laughs> and the Canadian national anthem at the same time, it just turns into the Dennis Casey rendition. <laughs> it's. It's like, it's kind of like the, um, it's like the Wizard of Oz, Pink Floyd thing where it matches up.
1: I think, well, yeah, what I should do is play the instrumental of Oh Christmas Tree and then the... Dennis Casey? Yeah, version. I bet they'd sound the same. I bet it'd go perfect.
0: Oh, I know. It's it's like when they, like that one thing that happened recently where they matched up Kendrick Lamar with the uh AHA take on me. Yeah. I think that's what had it happen. But anyway... So you're thinking, like, all right, that sounded pretty bad. Uh But, I mean, he messed up. Whatever. Whatever. Well, all that happened...
1: In his defense, we've seen I don't know how many people butcher the U.S. national anthem. So I don't think you can give him too much flack for it. But you can because it was... At least when other people messed it up, it's still, like, a little on key. His was
0: just a different song. So, but here's... What makes it the worst of all time? Let me have it. It was such a poor and awful rendition that wasn't even the exact song that the Las Vegas posse received a nasty letter from Canada. The Canadian prime minister himself.
1: <laughs> Who was? At, um, at the, the time?
0: time, it was Jean Cretin.
1: Okay, I just want to hear you try to pronounce it.
0: In a letter uh, to uh, Cretan, um Maletti, who is um, near the fr- in the front office for Las Vegas Posse, said, By way of explanation but no excuse, the singer was recommended to us out of Los Angeles as a professional who had sung your anthem many times for the Olympics. Obviously, we were misled. Even vice president at the time, Al Gore, chimed in on the controversy while in Ottawa for meeting with Caritan. I'm probably getting that name wrong, but you know what? It's not like we're wrong all the time. Anyway, Gore told reporters, it was certainly glad to see that the U.S. Uh, football players reacted so strongly and better than the singer. It was just... <laughs> it's just... That's so bad. That is so bad. To his defense, what? yeah, he had been flown in two days previously to Las Vegas, and he had the words in front of him, but he never heard the melody, and so he had to go off of memory. Which is a fair, but still. Like, that doesn't change the fact. Like, it it, it, it explains it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make up for just how awful that is. Dennis Casey Park, if you're listening to us, we love you. We'd love to have you on the show. You have a great voice, but...
1: Please don't come on here and sing a Christmas tree.
0: Just, I'm just glad that you now know. He actually, he got himself... Tosh .point esque web redemption, before the web, they near the end of the season they flew him in again to sing the national anthem and he got it right. So good for right. him. Good for him. you know as, one of
1: my favorite things about. Well, do you have more? If you have more, go ahead.
0: They finished five and thirteen. They started off hot with a cup two wins to start off the season and finished five and thirteen. Then after that, uh, national anthem, afterward. they just went. Okay, completely collapsed afterward. They also had. Um, Scantily clad cheerleaders who had bikini contests during halftime. (laughs) Like, that is where the XFL was born. (laughs) It was the CFL. The XFL was birthed during that halftime. We can can blame the CFL for Vince McMahon. All right. Don't act like you're totally excited for the XFL to come back. I'm not,
1: because they announced that it's basically going to be the NFL. So, if we're not putting nicknames on the back of jerseys and not throwing flags for hits on Jeff Braum,
0: if, if we're not allowing helmet to helmet, I mean, like, what's the point? These guys are putting <laughs> their body on the line. The thing is, they're coming out.
1: time <laughs> They <laughs> They're coming out with the XFL and the AAF, the Alliance of American Football.
0: That's okay. That's going to collapse. That's going to collapse.
1: I think that one will survive, and the reason I say that is because of the. Not Mike Riley specifically, but but, he's
0: number three reason. Yeah,
1: he's at least on the top five. No, it's the fact that like you look at who the coaches are going to be for those teams. It's going to serve as a almost a developmental league, um, very similar to like what the NFL or the uh, NBA is doing. Now, will it catch fire? I don't necessarily think so because the tough part is that kids aren't going to go from high school to the AAF and then to the NFL. The, the, the exposure is not the same. The but problem
0: is they haven't tried. They have tried this approach before and it has not worked. Remember the um, but putting it the, in the spring, the fall experimental football league with the Omaha Mammoths a couple years ago. They tried to turn themselves into that same exact approach and it didn't work. Yeah, the UFL also tried to eventually work its way into that and that didn't work. The either. Nighthawks and worked so for no, a couple
1: years, but that and was that was a,
0: only because it worked one year and that was Jeff only Garcia because was the quarterback because it was Rosenblatt's last stand that's the only reason why it won't. I
1: think people only cared too because I mean it was, it was like something were, else to do
0: and there no they were it was a good team but all of that profit came from the fact or like over way over half of it was because of his L- Rosenblatt's last stand About if, I mean if they pulled out like I'm not saying that they would have been equally as successful, like, instead of Jeff Garcia being their quarterback, it was like... And
1: Corey Ross being the running by Amon Green. Actually, it, Corey Ross played for um, whoever it was, the, the Lions.
0: Beef. They played for the Beef, though. No, but he played Gold, in, No, no, yeah, it was yeah, the right, right. CFL. No, it was the Sacramento Lions?
1: I think so, something like the that.
0: The Gold Miners was the CFL team yeah, that yeah. failed, too. Yeah.
1: But they had some... I think part of it too was the attraction of a few Husker players playing for the Nighthawks. Yeah, there's as well. Among
0: Green. Jay Moore was on there too. Mm-hmm. Um, that was it. I think. I
1: remember one time Jeff Garcia made it onto like top ten plays for a, for his game winning drive that I was
0: at for oh, the Nighthawks. Game. We went to a Nighthawks game while they were like three and one. Yeah and then they lost that game in the end and they lost the re- every game for the rest of the season after that and missed the playoffs. So, and th- that was seriously the game we went to was the downfall of the Omaha Nighthawks. I think that if I didn't go to that game, they would still be in existence and they'd be they would have built a 50,000-seat stadium in Dundee for the Omaha <laughs> the Nighthawks
1: <laughs> to play one more season.
0: <laughs> to play, however, and they'd still be in existence and they'd be getting 45 a game.
1: Uh Funny story.
0: I mean, maybe, okay, maybe, okay, maybe I'm over-exaggerating a little bit here.
1: Just a little. The downfall of the Nighthawks was when I went down to buy, like, nachos and a drink, and they said it was $10, I handed them a $20 bill, and they handed me my stuff and said, have a good day. And I said, um, excuse me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that happened to me at, hi- at my high school. Where's my
1: $10? <laughs> They're like, no, you gave it. like, no, no, no. Nope. <laughs> that was a 20 <laughs> And that's the time I almost fought a concession stands lady when I was twelve.
0: That happened to me at a high school game, where but tickets were four dollars and I gave him a twenty. Like, how do you not give change? To that yeah, I handed you a four dollar bill. I <laughs> like, thought you were paying for the four
1: people behind you too. I just wasn't sure. Had to check. I didn't know if you had friends or not.
0: Yeah, this is a donation for the West Side Football Fund. Yeah, they need, don't.
1: They need more money, right?
0: The Westside da- the West Side Touchdown Club. I don't remember what it's called. Which, by the way, I want to give a shout out to my high school alma mater, West Side. Wow, um, for losing last night, they lost. Yeah, they had a great season. I, I don't know if they made the. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs or not. The seven and one. Oh, they are seven and one. Yeah, I couldn't remember if one. they were or not. I just like whether they won or lost last night. They had a great seven season. seven and two,
1: but yeah. What? Well, because they lost last night, seven and two.
0: No, they're, no, no. They're, now they're seven and one. They were undefeated going into that. No,
1: no, no. You play nine games in high school.
0: What? Yeah. This Man, is week nine. I am. I should quit the show.
1: No, it's okay. No,
0: it's some it's like this, some teams play eight though. This is seriously like the f- first time I've like paid attention to like West Side football. Since if, we're I giving, was in high school, if we're giving high school,
1: shout outs to high school football. Um, good luck to Miller North because this year was <laughs> P- pu.
0: That's, <laughs> that's honestly, this is the first time I've like I couldn't name a player on West Side, honestly, right now, but apparently they have a really good wide receiver as a sophomore. As I think a sophomore. so. I don't remember. Because all I just that. saw was that there was like, they had a sophomore wide receiver who got an offer from Iowa state. Oh, wow. I'm like,
1: come to Nebraska. Yo, whether, yeah, to Nebraska, please. whether or not he quits after this year or not, my little brother's suiting up for varsity football tonight. Ooh. And, uh, good for him. But at the same time, um, I think that, kind of shows that miller north is in a deep state of despair and not because i don't believe my little brother i'm not saying that by any means but it's one of those games at the end of the year where you're like it doesn't even matter if we win or lose we might as well just put the freshmen out there yeah i and was
0: i was a little i was a wee busy last night you know doing stuff such as preparing for the show and to I, be
1: fair though so Westside led 13 to 12 exactly. and they got, they got beat on a safety. <laughs> I
0: know. And that's what I'm seeing right now. Yeah. And I'm like,
1: it was, it was, well, it was crazy because we had a, a reporter there and he kept calling in with like score updates and it'd be like, oh, you know, it's nine to six. Oh, now it's 13 to nine. And it's just like, now it's 13 to 12. Now it's you're 14 like, to 13. And you're it's like,
0: like whew, whew, whew. score got me. <laughs> Like you're th- Has there ever you're th- been a 14-13 in high school? All right, let's see if he's going to get 11 points. Let's go. Let's go.
1: Be- <laughs> Who's going to get 11 first? The The best score of the year so far for score high school Gommie football. Or just high scoring? No, just best score of the year for high school. Well, was that Thomas Jefferson game that we talked about a while back. But oh, That was wild. There was a game. On that, one- that was
0: truly basketball on grass. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was I think I think both teams were in on it. They were like, let's just see if we can break this record. What happened was there was a game, you remember that weekend that there was a bunch there was a bunch of rain and so there were a bunch of cancellations and like and I think it, I don't think it was Akron Week, but maybe it was the next one. But uh there was a heist I don't remember the two teams that played, but one team won two to nothing because of like how bad the conditions that were. That is
0: that is some like nineteen twenty four NFL stuff.
1: And the reason uh, the reason it sticks with me is because the tweet that went with it was like two to nothing final score a real slobber knocker
0: <laughs> yeah to just to confirm West Side finished eight and one for the season oh they were Four. eight and one okay eight and one ranked sixth in the state. The reason I think and I didn't 946 know were... in the country,
1: the reason I think I I don't remember them being undefeated is because of some of the teams that are in front of them because they're they're better there's, but they have losses.
0: No, like I said, like they're eight and one, but there's, there's like which is good, but they're sixth. Like yeah. there's a lot of really good teams. That's why year.
1: it's hard to remember. There's how There's a lot teams of are really are good teams this year. Um, oh. but yeah, there was a two nothing game, so I did the box score and it was just a matter of finding when it was because all it said was. Team safety. <laughs> Do nothing. And there were, there's been, uh, there was a game last night um, that another back and forth was Fall City, Sacred Heart, and Johnson Brock D2 uh, matchup, which they.
0: Oh, yeah. D. Like, they, class D. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: They had to take bleachers from other parts of town and other fields and put them there to have enough seats. I'm, That's.
0: That brings a tear to my eye. That is beautiful. And
1: and the reason reason I was like, I don't know if I believe that. And then I was seeing pictures uh, on, like, Twitter. And it was like, you know, if you're wondering where your bleachers are. And I was like, no, they're actually doing this. Like, they just, like, picked bleachers up and moved them to another field. And some people were like, oh, how many people are actually going to show up? I was like, that's that's probably the two best D2 schools in in
0: Nebraska. That sounds like... Like isn't that odd? Aw- that's awesome. I think. no, that's so 52 awesome. Fifty-two to forty-six. That sounds like too. that sounds like high scoring game. Uh, was it, but D2 D2 is D two eight man?
1: D two is eight man.
0: Yeah, usually eight man games are a little more high scoring. They
1: are, but there's times where they're lower just because the teams are better. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, fifty-two to forty-six. But at one time, uh, because I believe. I don't want to get it wrong. I don't remember who actually won. I think it was Fall City. But whoever won was trailing 30 to 14 at one point and won 52 to 46. So
0: Wow. Yeah. But no, that sounds like something like the bleachers thing. That sounds like that would have been a scene in that movie final season if you've ever seen that before. Mm-hmm. It's it's a terrible knockoff. of. It's a true story, to be fair. It's a true story, but it's a terrible knockoff. Story writing. Johnson Brock one, by the way. Scene, Screenwriting-wise, it's a terrible knockoff of Hoosiers. Like, it just rips everything out of the Hoosiers book. And they're D1. D1. Okay. It just rips everything out of that. Oh, my goodness. What? I'm trying to talk. Jake, this is more important. I'm sorry. Well, now this says D2, so
1: I don't know. Class D football. It's eight-man football either way. Eight sets of bleachers were hauled over to the field. Estimated crowd. Now this is a large number because I I've been to enough high school football games to know what a big number is. Estimated crowd was twenty five hundred for the for a, a, an eight man football. That's game. probably more than both of those
0: towns combined. <laughs> yeah, yeah, John. Between
1: Johnson, Nebraska, and Fall City. Well, Fall City has two high schools, so so they might be a little bit. But yes, like. 2,500 people. That might be both, all of the town of both. That could be a
0: D2 record for a regular season game. Yeah, D2 or D1, whichever one it is.
1: But the thing, too, with it is, I mean, it was, so it's was, it was for, like, the district title, or that's what, you know, essentially it was for. It was a meaningful game, but at the same time, 2,500 people. There was a game between Pius and, um oh, who they play? It was Pius and Lincoln High. They played at Aldridge Field, and – Aldridge Field holds about 2,400, 2,500 people, and they had almost 3,500 people in there. So they, like, filled that. It was standing room. Um, but that's Class A football. This is Class D football. So,
0: so I mean, yeah, it I was like, a big deal. Yeah, because Class A, like, Westside Stadium holds, like, 5,000, I think.
1: Yeah, and, and in, Buell for Miller does too. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah, that's for all. 2, that's that's for
0: all Millard schools, right?
1: Yes. So, so it's at Millard South, but all, it, the, all Millard schools play there.
0: Yeah, yeah. that sounds confusing. <laughs> but yeah,
1: all right. So my favorite thing about the CFL is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we are such an awful show. Is that they, anyway? They
1: play eighteen games. Yeah. And the cross the crossover. So, you, do the, you know the crossover rule?
0: Isn't that isn't that is that the rouge where you get the one point for the no. touchback? Okay. so the
1: crossover rule comes into play for the playoffs, and like this article says, or the explanation of it is, is like coaches always say every game, whether it's July or October, all the games matter. So the crossover, because the way I don't know if you know how the playoffs work, but it's it's a sixteen playoff, mm-hmm. or no, yes, it's a sixteen playoff, but it's the tops ranked teams get a bye the first week Mm -hmm. right into the final so what happens is there are there's an odd number of teams um or there's an even number of teams but the way they're set up is like odd so it's like five five and four five and three whatever it is um and if the team in fourth place finishes better than the the so in division a if you're fourth-best team finishes better than the third-team Division B, or the East Division, mm-hmm. then that fourth-place team crosses over and represents the third-place team for the East Division. So basically, th- at some point of the season, the divisions don't matter. So I think what we should do is in the MLB, we should make interleague count more. <laughs> and if, if the third-place wildcard team in the AL or NL is better than the second place wildcard team, they should take their place and play.
0: You know, I'm gonna be real with you, that sounds like just a bunch of gobbledygoop. <laughs> um to no, mention this no before. we shouldn't do that, but. Um, I was before we move on to our next topic, which there's a transition, because both involve the starter of the the true starter of the show John Boyce. John Boyce did an interview When they talked to him about how he once went up to Canada, I think earlier this decade, and he went to their equivalent of their AFC championship. Mm. And, like, first of all, like, the stadium was, like, half full for it. Yeah. And one guy, like, just had a sign for, like, when their team had an offensive drive that just said, shh, (laughs) like, he just would hold it up. (laughs) It's not the most Canadian thing you've ever oh. heard of. Instead of being like, ah, oh, the other team sucks, it's just shh.
1: My <laughs> favorite thing about the standings right now, well, other than I, I like Calgary and they're uh, they're on top. I guess I like the winning. I guess
0: I like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Hey, that's, cause a, cause that's not a bad team to pick. I'll give you that. Because I, I like the name.
1: But right now, there are uh, every team in the West Division other than Edmonton, who's 8-8, eight and eight, is better than every team in the East Division. The best team in the East Division is 8-7. and seven. So, if the West Division doesn't win the Grey Cup this year, I won't show up that week. And you can count on that.
0: You heard it right here. Anyway, we got 15 minutes left. Colton, wow. it's our 25th show. It is. And 25 is a very important number to me for two reasons. Me One, too. When I grew you. up I was a Creighton fan. I'm sorry, but I mean that's all way down. Um but to this day he's still one of my favorite players. And when he played at Creighton, Kyle Quiver won number twenty-five. But one that sticks to me to this day, the great Barry Bonds were the number twenty five. And Barry Bonds was overshadowed by the era that he played in. Um in the all the steroid PED stuff, but regardless of that, he's one of the greatest baseball players of all time, and it shouldn't even be a question. He should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I want to talk stats with you right now. Is that is that something we can do? Is we could talk a little bit of stats? Let me go about Barry Bonds. Let me pull up Barry Bonds really all quick. Right.
1: Not because I don't know, you know. I know. enough about let him, me but,
0: so. let me bring up his baseball reference i'd like to admit
1: too that barry bonds is probably my second favorite player of all time
0: for me he's up there he is definitely up second there. or third because for he's only behind the kid so. because because barry bonds because of barry bonds growing up the san francisco giants were like my second team so i mean it was still a distant second but it was my second team so
1: do you know what barry bonds career war is are you looking at it too
0: pretty 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 an entire season 12 i love how he has a war of 12.4 just on offense that's he adds 12 wins a game in your season on just with his offensive play that is
1: 162.8 career war an entire season 120 162 wins above his replacement he I mean who would you even replace him with that's the question why I mean Barry
0: or babe Ruth
1: <laughs> wins above himself that's he, there needed to be a new category
0: so he had 14 all-star appearances and when he didn't make the the two years that he didn't make okay okay let me rephrase this yep so 1990 to 2007 there were one two three four seasons he did not make the all-star game one he only played 14 games that year. The other one his he had an OPS of nine ninety nine, the only year since 1991 that he had not had an OPS above one, which is ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. And in 1991, 1999, he didn't make it, and he finished 24th in the MVP voting with an OPS of 1.006, <laughs> steroid era. Anyway, 1991, he also led the league in OPS with 924, finished second in the MVP voting, but somehow didn't get an all-star nod. He had does, seven MVPs. I was about
1: to ask, does he have the most MVPs?
0: Yes. Okay. Yogi Berra, I believe, is next. Um, but also, to be fair, Barry or uh, Babe Ruth, they're the same person. Um, uh, one's better. Barry Bonds. All right, go uh, ahead. Uh, <laughs> All right. Talk about that later. And meet me outside. <laughs> um, yes, but Barry Bonds had seven MVPs, 1990, in which he had 33 home runs in 52 stolen bases. 33 30 like someone who hits 33 home runs in a season should not have 52 stolen bases. Um, also, yeah, and then you did the 92 and 93, and then from 2001 to 2004. He was M V P in two thousand he was second in the MVP voting to his own teammate Jeff Kent, but he should have won that, so that should be eight.
1: Well, and he finished second in nineteen ninety one. One. So it should be nine. But here
0: is He where it didn't gets...
1: have a season. I mean, here's the thing. From nineteen ninety to the end of his career, so almost other than four years, he had an OPS higher than nine hundred.
0: I know that's what I said. Yeah.
1: Every single year. And only three of those years was it not above one.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, it's... But this is where it just 15 gets... seasons above one. This is where it gets crazy, though. So, Babe Ruth is the all-time leader in OPS. He was the first person to have an OPS above 1.25. And he did that six times. So, Babe Ruth is an unbelievable baseball player. Don't care about... He When he played, he was... This
1: dude was hitting 600-foot home runs. I, I mean, mean,
0: yeah. The second person to do that was Ted Williams did it in 1941. Then he went to the war in 1957. He did it again. And no one had done it. There were some close guys who came close, such mm-hmm. as uh, Larry Walker, Mark McGuire came close. Mm-hmm. Edgar Martinez actually had a season where he was close as well. But the only, the third person to do it ever was Barry Bonds. And he did that in two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four, had an OPS above one point two five, which mm-hmm. I said, that's a that's a good club.
1: And he just so Bay happened Bruth, to win the MVP at all Bruth, those years.
0: Which he should have. Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, Barry Bonds. Three silver. probably three best hitters of all time.
1: He also has twelve silver slugger awards, eight time gold glove award winner, won the batting title twice three-time
0: player of the year, 14-time all-star. And there's there's a couple things you could argue. It'd be like, oh, the reason that Barry Bonds' numbers were so high is because of the era that he played in. This is – these stats – Did he, like,
1: take take some time off between 99 and 2000? What do you mean? Because on here it says – I mean, obviously he changed his number when he played for the Pirates, but it says, like, 93 to 99, and then it says 2000 to 2007, or is it just – um, you know what I'm saying? You know well, I'm no, hearing he hearing. but he
0: played a shorter season ninety nine. He only played one hundred games because of injury. Oh, okay, but these stats come courtesy of the great John Boyce, so you could say that Barry Bonds was a product of the era that he played in. Uh-huh. So in two thousand four, Bonds set the all time OPS record one point four two two with an on base percentage of sixty and a slugging percentage of eight twelve. He was in first place, and second place was Todd Helton with 1.088. So, of guys, with well, I think it's 500 plate appearances that season. The difference between number one, Barry Bonds, to number two, Todd Helton, was as great as Todd Helton to last place at 161 Craig Council in OPS. The difference between one and two is almost as great as the difference between two and last. Like, that's how dominant he was. Mm-hmm. So I was going to go through um, an exper- or the experiment that John Boyce did in which what if Barry Bonds never swung his bat that entire season? So he did the calculations and he did it by um, – because Retro Sheet is a complete database on everything baseball yeah. ever. So he was able to calculate, all right, what percentage of – pitches that he swung at were they in the strike zone or outside the strike zone and what percentage of those pitches were balls or strikes Mm -hmm. calculating it that way he went through all of barry bonds batting from that season first of all what i thought was interesting was in 617 plate appearances in 2004 191 of those plate appearances barry bonds didn't swing his bat And only two of those out of 191, only two of those times were from called strike threes. A couple other times, he was also, as we all know, he was walked, intentionally walked a lot. Which is why, part of the reason why his on-base percentage was that high. And it's really interesting, because you always think that an intentional walk is always like, alright, he comes up to the plate, intentionally walk him. Whatever. (laughs) but there's a lot of at bats that season like one of them right here was so the guy throws a ball the next pitch Barry Bonds fouls it off then the next two pitches are balls and then the pitcher just gives up and's like you know what we're intentionally walking him and he threw the last pitch as a ball like as an intentional ball to walk him which i just think is funny he's like a lot there's a lot of times in that season where players just gave up halfway through the at bat
1: well if you think about it if you try to pitch around him because you're not going to pitch to him, mm-hmm. basically, if you try to pitch around him at some point, you're going to you're gonna get down in the count unless he's swinging at everything. Mm-hmm. and so if you're in like a three one count, I mean you know that bonds is swinging away yeah. so you either are putting one down in the middle
0: for him mm-hmm.
1: or you're throwing a ball.
0: yeah that's exactly uh, and
1: neither. I mean one scenario works better than the other. Because when he got a little uh, juiced up, he wasn't stealing as many bases. But
0: mm-hmm. and what I think is maybe the most interesting thing that so going through this calculation, check out the video online if you haven't. John Boyce, what if Barry Bonds didn't have a bat? Hmm. So his on base percentage that year was six oh nine. If he didn't have a bat, and according to his calculation, which John Boyce says he thinks he's done everything right, but he just doesn't believe the result, his OPS would have been six oh eight. That is how unbelievably dominant he was. And my other favorite thing about Barry Bonds was one time he was intentionally walked with the bases loaded on automatic run, and people were like, "Oh, that couldn't get any worse." The thing is, though, that's one run compared to four. up to four. Yeah. However, Barry Bonds nineteen times in just in one season alone, nineteen times was he walked with the bases empty. The most they can get out of that is just one run, a solo home run. Right.
1: And they still walk him. And they them. just
0: walk him anyway. Yeah. That is how intimidating he was. Fear, as John Boyce put it, fear was Barry Bonds' bat. And I think that's the best way to put it.
1: Well, and and I've told that to people before, and they're like, well, no, if he didn't have a bat, they actually would have like tried to strike him out. I was like, well, yes. But, but that's the, the thing.
0: Is the pitchers don't know it in the argument. Yeah. Like That's the argument. The pitchers don't know. It's
1: that I, I think what the argument is that He does have a bat. He's just not going to use it. He stands up there holding a bat. Mm -hmm. A couple other things about Barry Bonds uh, to go off of. Leads with walks. We mentioned that. 2,558
0: times as he walked. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Leads
1: with intentional walks. 688 times in his career was he walked intentionally. Most home runs. I think the most interesting thing about his home runs is only – eight times, now he hit 762, eight seasons of 22 seasons, did he not hit 30 or more home runs. Four of them were his first four years in the league. Three of them were his last three years in the league, which he was 40, 41, and 42. And one of them was his one, two, three, four, was his, sorry, was his sixth season, so it's just kind of a middle of the road. That means every other time he hit at least 30 home runs, and any time he hit 30, he hit more than 30. So. Wow. Also. 14 times he hit 30 or more home runs. I'm going to mention this We've one last time. Got about thing two and, and a half minutes. Yep. Go
0: ahead. Um, this is pretty quick, but most people know him as a power hitter, but he was a good base dealer. Very, very good base dealer. Especially early in his early career. In his career. Um, Bill James. Um, my my the man i worship the creator of essentially the creator of sabermetrics has a statistic called the power and speed number and there's some other elements but mainly it's just home runs divided by stolen bases and some other stuff thrown in anyway all-time leader in the power speed number to calculate base running and hitting power barry bonds is the all-time leader so along with his bat he had some wheels on him too for most of his career
1: only had 9 postseason home runs, but teams he played for didn't make the postseason very often. Yep. He only played he only played in 9 postseason series.
0: And a seven. lot of those were with the Pirates early in his career before uh, he was as much of a star as he is. Yeah, 3 with the Pirates, later.
1: 6 with the Giants, but he only 7 7 times did they make the playoffs, 9 series. Playing in the minute and a half, I just wanted to roll through a couple of these really quick. We don't have to like go into them. Conspiracy theories about baseball Orioles cancel a game for lightning, lighting malfunction. Prove that wrong. Well, they did, they, they yeah. but, but to save Cal Ripken Jr.'s streak. MLB and Player Union, Players Union collude to prevent the Expos from winning the 94 World Series. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, don't know. Uh, Barry Bonds blacklisted. Yeah. The, I I don't Absolutely. think that's a conspiracy. It's that's just, true. Uh, Derek Jeter's rigged career-ending walk-off. Uh, yeah. Could can see, see that. I'm going to make sure we have some tunes going here. All right. Pete Rose had an agreement in place to be reinstated. Hmm. The Pine Tar Incident. Maybe. Indian's Impossible. I don't know what this one is. Uh unless Lester Lube's up for the World Series. That was 2013. Uh, and there's a few more. Apple Watchgate, Yadier Molina's Velcro, um, so on and so forth. But sometime maybe we'll get into them. Jake, Next 21 week.
0: seconds. All right. Shout out to Rolly. Shout out to Mustache Man. Shout out to Sideshow. Shout out to Pot Roast. Shout out to Rolly. Shout out to Worley. Um, I probably named got one him, of them right. twice. All right. And shout out to Little Moms. Keeping it high and tight. Colton, what do you have to say?
1: Shout out to Keith. Thanks for listening. Thanks for keeping us a listener base of one. We'll catch you guys next week on Friday, Chasing History at 10 a.m. Thanks.